The following episode was recorded before the release of the Mission Impossible Fallout trailer. If you haven't seen it yet, I recommend listening to the rest of this and then going and checking it out. It's awesome. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Ornithology Presents the Cruise Cast. I am Ben Hyten. And I am Alex Belletti. We are reviewing and watching every single one of Tom Cruise's movies in order. Last season we did that with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Where are we up to, Ben? We're so close to home, buddy. It's 2015. It's the fifth in the Mission Impossible series. It's Rogue Nation, written and directed by Chris McQuarrie. That name sounds familiar. Yeah. What a partnership. Cruise is firmly in the Macquarie business, and Macquarie is firmly in the Cruise business. For sure. And I'm not talking about ferries. When we last saw Ethan Hunt, he was congratulating his team on averting nuclear disaster, and then he gets a little phone call from whoever's running IMF and says, the syndicate, something about the syndicate, I don't know what they said. This film starts with IMF being investigated for nearly causing a nuclear disaster. In the last film. Yep. And Ethan Hunt is very quickly on the case to find, hunt down and expose the syndicate, a group of missing in action, killed in action agents from various agencies around the world who have come together as a terrorist cell. Well, so large that we might even want to call them a rogue nation. Exactly. Rogue, loads of rogue agents dictating world affairs at a global scale and yeah, yeah it's a pr- perfectly appropriate name they're like a rogue nation operating without oversight doing what they want much like imf yeah much like imf uh, but we don't really know who's calling the shots we're not aware we don't know what's going on oh don't we are you sure it's not sean harris it's a good impression <laughs> What's his name in this? Lane? Robert Lane? Is it Robert Lane? Lane. Now, I'm going to start with my probably biggest criticism of the film. Okay, go ahead. Because it's slightly paradoxical to me. So, wait, wait, wait. Even before that, just to remind us, we were saying that Mission Impossible 4 was probably the best Mission Impossible movie. And you said, maybe not. Because I remember really loving Rogue Nation when it first came out. And same, I remember that with you, right? That's true. Oh, I've absolutely loved it. And I'm pretty certain that time I was saying it's the best Mission Possible movie. Yeah. Having watched the two of them, four and five, so close together now, I'm also changing. It sounds like you might be changing too. Well, I am undecided. I'm going to wait until we get to the ranking. Let's explore it. But I love Chris McQuarrie. I love the way he writes... I think he's established himself very quickly as a very, very impressive director as well, with a real sense of that like 60s and 70s style. Yeah. So the paradoxical thing about Rogue Nation to me is this. On the one hand, there's a strong case to be made that it is the best Mission Impossible film. On the other, for me, it's the one where the plot is the least consequential. And actually... It's the most, at least for the first half, formulaic. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I I have to say, that's what made it watered down for me a little bit. 
if it wasn't for all the credit that the franchise had built up and actually watching it again and i it's definitely i'm having that effect of you know the ornithology effect of watching so many movies of the same actor yes you know back to back it's kind of like being really glad to see those characters again in your favorite tv show whatever it is it's like oh yeah i'm back with these guys again and it's got that feeling again with tom cruise it's like will and grace you're talking about will and grace nope 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 guess again the two broke girls nope coach yep that's the one i love coach um but so yeah i was like oh yeah tom cruise yeah and the opening sequence is great right up until the moment when we see lane what's the actor's name Sean Harris. That I'm like, yeah, this is this is great. This is exactly what I've come to expect from Mission Puzzle movies. I'm in. And then you're right. The formula starts. Yeah. So we get big action sequence at the beginning. In Ghost Protocol, it was uh, the prison escape. Then you get a little bit of plot. And then you get a spy sequence. In Ghost Protocol, it was the, uh, the break into the Kremlin. In this film, it's the opera. Then... The centerpiece action set piece, which was Dubai, and here it's the uh, break into the skiff. Taurus. Yeah, and then the subsequent car and bike chase. And actually, it's at that point that Rogue Nation takes a shift, and I think that's the most interesting part of the film. So I want to get to that when we get to it. Yeah. But it does seem to be ticking boxes. Right. I kind of admire the film even more for that, because... It pulled the wool over my eyes. It's so well written and it's so well made that although you kind of have an innate sense that, yes, we're going through the motions here, you're still swept up in it, or I was anyway. Mm. And crucial to that is this franchise is getting a reputation for having the best female characters in any of the Tom Cruise films. We talked about mm. Emily Blunt last yeah, time, yeah. Like how good she, she was. was. But... um Paula Patton in Ghost Protocol made a massive impression on both of us. Agreed. But Rebecca Ferguson in this, as Ilsa Faust, my favourite character from she the wins, entire she franchise. She wins the Mission Impossible Oscar. What she wins a brilliant it. character, yeah. though. Yeah, and, yeah. And keeps you guessing, is she good, is she bad? And actually, it never really settles down to decide. I would have liked to have seen her in Atomic Blonde. She's a little bit... Uh, Oh, okay. What, the character or the actress? No, Rebecca Ferguson in Atomic Blonde. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to take it away from Charlize Theron. Though. No, no, but but anyway, just saying, I think she's, I think she's excellent. She's, she's the highlight of this. Oh. You know, straight away, it, that has, that has nothing to do with her, how beautiful she is. I, she is, no, no. Oh, but absolutely. that's not the reason she's the highlight. No, she's been gifted with an amazing character. There's no yeah. question there. Yeah. But um, she brings a, a kind of intangible quality the that you, yeah. you can't really imagine right. any other actress bringing because of her sp- her specific. Right. I don't know. Is she Swedish or, or? But yeah, there's there is something there's something other about her. Yeah. And it, it lends itself to this mysterious character. So well. And she, I mean, she handles the physical stuff brilliantly as well, but you take that as red at this point in the franchise, I think. So what I wanted to do was go through those ticky box exercises yeah, and compare them to their equivalent in Ghost Protocol as a way of scoring the film to say, is it better or is it less? 
So we've got the pre-credit sequence, as we said in Ghost yeah. Protocol. It's Sawyer getting capped, and uh, and the breakout from prison. Here, it's Benji in the middle of a field trying to remote control a giant cargo plane. Opening doors. Open the doors, Benji. Yeah, it's exactly the same Again? line. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when all else fails, thankfully, Ethan Hunt is there to jump on the plane <laughs> and hold on to it as it so takes great. off. Great. So we kind of open with the with the biggest Tom Cruise stunt of the whole thing because he actually strapped himself. That's really him. It's really, really him. Ten or twelve takes they did of that, maybe more. And you know what? It really shows on his face that like <laughs> I'm doing this. <laughs> ah, I'm actually doing this. It is phenomenal. It's really amazing. And so much so they must have they, the filmmakers, Tom, everyone, must have been so proud of that that in the end credits, when they show you like snippets from the movie yeah. of the of the main actors, of like this was them in this bit, and this was Simon Pegg, and this is Ving Rhames, the shot that they pick to put with Tom Cruise is the shot of him on the plane there. Of course, and it's on the poster. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's some credibility here to the idea that this is a, a sort of join the dots film a lot of the time, because that sequence was filmed conceived and filmed basically as a sequence that tom cruise and chris mcquarrie wanted to do just without a script or without anything they hadn't really figured out how to factor into the film so it was actually (laughs) going to be a part of the finale but as the film evolved and got rewritten and changed they realized actually no we want to go a different direction so fuck it we'll just stick it on the beginning of the film and give it no context whatsoever yeah (laughs) which is great it, I, it's better that way because yeah no it's like it gets you straight into the action that way i don't what else would they have done to get you straight into the action now it's pretty good so comparing that to the uh the prison escape from the beginning of ghost bro bro Brost, bro bromo call ghost bromance <laughs> ghost bromance my uh that's sorry, a completely get, different film it's yes it's the it's the sitcom i'm writing at the moment you said sitcom <laughs> in my mind yeah in that direction cool. uh, so forget good. about ghost bromance Oh, do you want to hear a bit more about Ghost Bromance, though? It maybe in reboot remake. Okay. Let's right. let's look at that. Uh, but I I always want to hear these ideas. <laughs> Tom Cruise in in Ghost Protocol is brawling in that opening sequence with prison inmates uh, while he's trying to get Benji to open and close doors. Here he's brawling with a plane, yeah. trying to get Benji to open doors. Yeah, and he does it. Yeah. He does it, Tom Cruise style. He gets in and jumps out. <laughs> I think there's there's an interesting comparison in that, again, it's it's trying to awe you with Tom Cruise's ability to be a special effect. Right. And throw himself in harm's way for our benefit. But there is a very jokey tone about that whole sequence his as well. benefit too. Many right. millions going in his bank for that. Yeah, for, for that, that work. Okay. I think for his benefit. He's, yeah, I think it's more for mine. <laughs> Fair enough. But there is a really jokey tone to that as well. You know, like the, the yeah. back and forth. Everyone's having a go at Simon Pegg. Like, he's getting yeah, it yeah. off Luther. He's getting yeah. it off uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. The funny thing is that it's the way that's shot. And the re- reason why I like it is because they do this thing where it starts off with just Simon Pegg and uh, Jeremy Renner, like, on the comms, doing an operation. You're not really sure what's going on or who's involved. Then Luther gets on the comms, like, what are you doing here? And he says, I'm in, I'm in Morocco, wherever he is, uh, Malaysia, 
he gets involved and starts. Never going to miss an opportunity to give Simon Pegg some grief. Right. Uh, and then, oh, Ethan's involved. Oh, great. And it's like, Ethan, what are you doing here? And there was something a little bit disjointed about that. What is going on here? But I don't care that they don't explain it. It's just a crazy mission. And here are the guys that you're going to see. And so it works to put it in at the sequence. But what it also does is it, and this is where the film kind of undoes itself a little bit, because the, my main criticism is I'm not sure that they struck the balance between Jeopardy and fun action. I think they went a little bit too much on the side of fun action. In the beginning? I, I don't know. I just think overall, I'm, I'm not trying to pinpoint where. I think this is a more serious-toned film. Yeah, well, you, you might be right. You, you possibly might be right. I don't know. Maybe it didn't have the same sense of tension that the first one had for me. Okay. And I think that might be because I kind of knew what was going on. But at the same time, I kind of forgotten what was going on. And that's why I credit Rebecca Ferguson with such a... so I give her so much credit for her role in this. Because she was able to convey a nuance in her performance that really led me to believe like to forget like yeah where are her allegiances i don't remember what who she's actually and but the same thing with um uh, alec baldwin as well yeah. and even a couple of points with jeremy renner but it's like i'm not sure what's going on and so again just a note to say how they're following the formula because i didn't i didn't consider it but just because i'm thinking about it now is jeremy renner his allegiances were a bit ambiguous in the first one in in Ghost Protocol. Yeah. And they replay that. Like there's an identical scene later on where Jeremy Renner's saying, let's tell the British about the, the prime minister's life is under threat. And Tom Cruise is saying, no, we can't do that. And there was an identical scene like that in Ghost Protocol as well. Right. That's the series at this point, I think, isn't it? Yeah. It, because they've, they've made it such a, a murky world of, uh, transferable allegiances, I suppose. Yeah. It's just that you're always going to be playing that up. What I like about the Ilsa character is because we know that ultimately Jeremy Renner and Tom Cruise are going to fall in line. We the do, only yeah. reason that he's against Hunt is because Hunt knows more about what's going on. But the Ilsa character, I think there's like even at the end of the film, even when Cruise is saying to her, you know, well, she's saying to him, you'll know where to find me or whatever, you know how to find yeah. me. She's not really a part of that team. She doesn't uh, have an allegiance to anyone other than Ethan Hunt. So they don't spoil it. They don't ruin her character. But uh, pre-credit sequences-wise, I'm going to give uh, Rogue Nation the edge. Oh, right. It's better. It's just, it is a jaw-dropping sequence. And it's really, really fun. But yes, we get introduced to Arik Bardwan. And uh, he's the token, uh, let's bring on an old A-lister to... Well, he's not the secretary of IMF. Well, he's yeah, taking he's that, not. He's taking but that just role. Someone on. to bust their balls, basically. Yeah. That you need that guy. Uh, we've had Anthony Hopkins and Lawrence Fishface, and now we've got Eric Bowen. Yeah, who, with the power of great acting, is trying to <laughs> shut down <laughs> IMF. That is exactly what. But that is Alec Baldwin, right? I know you're making a gag there, but that's what Alec Baldwin's doing. All the time. Yeah. He's, the power of great acting. You know, That's... people say, oh, Jason Statham always plays the same part, and Hugh Grant always plays the same part. Yeah. Alec Baldwin always plays Alec Baldwin. He's not even playing parts. He's just, just being Alec just Baldwin. Slightly whispery, slightly shifty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. All the time. 
But it's I like great. it. No, no, there's nothing wrong with it. And also, there's nothing wrong with... He's the first... I think he'll be the first one that will be a, an ongoing secretary, if not at least for two films. Possibly. Um, but yeah, I like I, I like those... Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. There's, it's a shame Jeremy Renner kind of spends most of this film just just talking. Yeah, he's tech support, isn't he? You don't see him... He doesn't fight once. No, he's He in shoots a, he's a, in a, car a stun gun. Point. Yeah. He's in a car... <laughs> And he shoots a stun gun. Who knows? Perhaps he did have things, but he was injured or... He's probably filming in Avengers, yeah. Right. And then we get a few of our Tom Cruise classics. Obviously, we've already had a big stunt and we've already had some running. Now we've got the shirtlessness and a genuinely impressive physical feat, I think. When he's chained to that pipe, he inverts himself and, like, shimmies up it. So his hands are behind his back around the pipe. Oh, no, they're above his head. Yeah. behind the pipe and he uses that stance to grab the pipe and like shimmy with his hands and his neck and back against the pipe but he swings his legs up each time to get that momentum to yeah. shimmy up it's fa- it's amazing until he gets to just conveniently the pipe's not attached to anything it's about yeah, yeah, it yeah. looks like a 12 foot pipe but he shimmies all the way up and over the top of it so his hands are free then suddenly and he fights a bunch of bad guys but Again, Rebecca Ferguson's fighting. Great. Much cooler. It's amazing. I love the way she she like takes her shoes off as soon as she comes yeah. into the room. Like, it's yeah, just, it's, I'm here to do business now. It's a signal yeah. as well. I really like that there's uh, the rabbit's foot. The key is on a rabbit's foot. Yeah, there's lots of little things like that. And so for people that don't know the item that Tom Cruise had to uh, get. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find a rabbit's foot. Yeah, in Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> in Mission Impossible 3 was called the rabbit's foot. Um, and so, yeah, it's a nice little thing. There's no re- other reason to put a rabbit's foot on the keychain. No, it's it's a, it's a, it's just a callback, yeah. It's a nod. Just going back to that shimmy stunt, uh, I don't want to cast aspersions here, but uh, I have a feeling Tom Cruise works out. A little bit, and he's looking buff in this. I think he maybe does CrossFit or something. Yeah, he's he's pretty. Um, it's a good theory. Yeah. I'd imagine that it would be quite difficult to look like that. Should at, I say allegedly, so I don't get sued? Allegedly, right? To look like that at his age. What is he now? Is he fifty in this? He is over fifty. Yeah, he must be fifty-two, yeah. fifty-three when he's made this. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't look like that. He's got. I'd be happy with that body. Now, on that point, though, obviously, we've always been saying. Tom Cruise looks amazing for his age. He, his, it's showing. His it's face showing. is a little bit weird in this, and I couldn't put my finger yeah. on it. It's fat. He is in great shape. It's I, sagging. No, you know what it is? What? He's clearly dyeing his hair, and it always pisses me off. What? No, it's when, not. That's not what's making his face look the way it is. No, no, but that's what makes it look odd. But obviously, oh, people's right. faces change, but because his face has Same. started to age and his hair hasn't, it stands out. I just think... At what point is Tom Cruise going to let the grey in? I don't know, man. It's certainly a, a, a question worth answering. It's probably not the most important question. Isn't it? Well... Because we've seen him with grey hair in Collateral and he looked great. Yeah, but that was dyed. has yeah. to be dyed. But now he could do that naturally. Well, maybe. Maybe it looks rubbish. I just don't want him to end up... Like, Have you seen Al Pacino recently? <laughs> no, I haven't. He looks like white a clown. Hair. It's no, oh, really? he's got jet black hair. Oh, because he's dying it. But he's like seventy. 
It, it just yeah, doesn't look right. Some people do keep their hair colours, but yeah, if they're obviously dyeing it, then fine. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about Tom Cruise's face. He looks F- fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, nice interplay between him and Rebecca Ferguson in that sequence. Again, she's clearly a physical match for him. And they don't they don't overplay it, but there is a hint of uh, and certainly an attraction between the two of them, but more so of kindred spirits, I think. That's it. And the, and the, that's what I got from it is that but I wouldn't say not necessarily more so. It's like if you are these guys, who else are you going to have a relationship with? Yeah. A, a proper honest relationship where you know what each other's lives are about. And he couldn't have that with um, Michelle Monaghan. Well, he couldn't, he couldn't. He blew it, though, didn't he? He had his chance. And he blew it! He, he blew it. blew it. Blah, blah. You know, and he, Michelle Monaghan, I'm sure he's still, you know, the way they left it was just like, you know, she's better off without me. She's free. She's not in danger. And yet, Ilsa's someone that could really look after herself. So it's like, if he's going to have a relationship with somebody, it's going to be her. So... That attraction, whilst you're right in saying it's kindred spirits, it's like, yeah, it's pretty obvious that but, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen with them. I just don't see a future in it. They can't nope. They can't stay together. Then You're not going to Netflix and chill with each other. The candle that burns twice as bright. No, they're not. Bright, they're going to like try and break their underwater breath breathing record. That's what they're going to do. Like, oh, God. It's going to be one of those competitive couples. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. I bet they're really happy as well. Ugh. No, they won't be happy. They won't be happy. Uh, why? Why? Because the call of adventure will be too strong. Sound ye oldie spoiler klaxon? I mean, I do, I have to, I mean, we're skipping ahead massively here. I love the bit in the train station where she's laying out the options and the whole team right. yeah. are picking it apart and she's yeah. saying why each option won't work and they're all going, yep, that sounds about right. It's a really nicely edited and it is written nice. sequence with all Luther and yeah, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, until and she says, come away with me, is another option. I mean... And no one can pick that one apart. It, that moment shows what fortitude <laughs> of character Ethan Hunt has. Right. Because what she says and the way she says it I don't think there's many men that would refuse that. No way. No way. <laughs> Despite how nonsensical no it is, it's like, no, nah, yeah, that's definitely going to put my life in danger. I'm going to be a fugitive for the rest of my life. Worth it. Yeah, but and she does make a really strong case. She's like, we can be anyone. Mm. We can go anywhere. We can do anything. And it's like, if anyone says that to me, I'm like, yeah, I, I believe you. <laughs> Even though I know it's not true of me, I'd be like, yeah, it, Sure, let's go. Let's go do anything. It's like, but you're right. There's a fortitude of character there because, again, for him, it's true. But there's also, it's why we love any of our heroes, right? Because they're going to do the right thing. They're always going to do the right thing. And that's what Ethan Hunt does. He mm. does the right thing. Yeah. He does the he knows. risky he thing. He knows. It's not going to work out. But if we go back a bit. Yes. Before he gets captured. There is something that I'd really like to introduce to say that finally we actually are getting bleed through into the cruiserverse from the from the cruiserverse that we have so painstakingly constructed over these episodes. Yeah, I mean we plan it out very so carefully. perfectly, meticulous. Yeah, so perfectly that it makes such perfect sense that what's happening is I'm realizing that those Easter eggs that I was saying were littered throughout all of his movies to show us. 
that there is a continuity with Tom Cruise's characters in real life that he knows and learns all the skills he knows and learns from the characters that he plays in movies because he's actually lived it. Yeah. One of the one of the characters in the movie lets it slip. Go on. It's the it's the girl in the record shop who gets shot. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She says, "Is it you? You're him. I've heard. I've heard the stories." They yeah, she's one of our listeners. True. She can't all be true. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. When no one's in fact. the store, she just puts on the ornithology. Cruiserverse facts. Yeah. Coming at you. That's a sneak preview. Tune in later on for some more solid Cruiserverse theories. Stay tuned in. Just keep St- listening. Tune in late. Yeah. Just, just keep, keep listening. Keep listening. Don't touch that. Twenty pause 20 button. minutes. In about 10, 10, 20 minutes, you're going to hear some Cruiserverse. More Cruiserverse facts coming at you. But yeah, that's that's that solidifies Ethan Hunt's rigor and like you said fortitude of character that moment of being helpless in a box and he makes up his mind what you just did to me I'm going to do to you I'm coming out after you syndicate are you are you really we'll see about that Ethan Hunt I'm off to the rogue nation (laughs) (laughs) now one of the things we picked up on in Ghost Protocol was the way that it moves the characters forward, especially by putting Peg in the field. See him trying to develop the same sort of repartee that him and Luther had. Yeah. And this film backtracks that completely yeah. um, when he has to do a weekly polygraph to help Eric Bardwan track Ethan Hunt down. I think Peg's dramatic moments in this, I was quite surprised at how good they are. When he's taken the polygraph and he said, yeah. Ethan Hunt is not my friend. Yeah, yeah. He's ruined my life. He's yeah. got me in this pretty and all of that. And the way that, that, that he switches that when he sees Ethan later on. I think Peg, I've not always been a fan of him when he's gone into American movies. But I, I'm a big fan of his work in this film. I thought he did really, really well. Yeah, yeah, really good. I mean, Benji's a great character and he's got a massive part in this compared to his origin, you know. Yeah. I think it says a lot about him and Cruz's working relationship. You can you can see their buddies on the screen. And if they're not, that's excellent acting. But they it's believable, it's nice, the chemistry between them. And you're right, there's it's less like the banter that you had with Luther. It's more of a, a genuine friendship that's Yeah, I care about yeah, you. Right. That's right. that's what Peg's saying. Yeah. In in those two scenes, one where he insists he's saying, No, no, I'm I'm working with you. It's a yeah. great speech and nice little moment the way you know, he, he basically shouts at Cruz saying, this is ridiculous, of course I'm going to stay. Yeah, well, Cruz, he, yeah, he says, Cruz has your to come friend again. and That's I'm it. staying. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a, again, yeah. a, a balancing act. It's a little funny. Yeah. It's a little childish. Because he's been he's saying it with real conviction. Yeah, British and coy as well at the same time. Yeah. So it's like, and Cruz just goes, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. kind of a twist on this glare that he was giving him in the, the hallway in Ghost Protocol when he's yeah. trying to talk to him about Jules. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Peg is obviously playing up that thing that British people find it very hard to talk about their emotions. And I just want to dispel that myth right now by saying, Alex, over yeah. the years, I consider you someone that I have come to know. Good good feelings, man. Good feelings, chats. So we go to the opera. He, <laughs> uh, Cruz has sent uh, Peg some tickets to, is it Turin Yeah, Dot? obviously. I don't know what it was. I didn't yeah. see. But it's got it's got that World Cup song in it. I thought it was the Cornetto song. No, you're thinking of O Solo Mio. Now, the opera sequence, 
the opera sequence in Vienna. The comparable sequence is, I think, the infiltration of the Kremlin, because this is the double-cross spy moment. Uh, I have to give it to the opera sequence. I think that whole, the way it builds, the way that all the characters start to come together, yeah. the way that there are three, four sides, this yeah, yeah. action and suspense. But it, you don't, you don't know the allegiances. It's really like it's uh, that's so... the main theme about this movie. That's what it's got going for it, right? So that's so that's what's going on in the text. Yeah, but in the filmmaking. That's a oh, it's beautiful. stupidly complex sequence, and it's, it's done yeah. so elegantly. It's really excellent. And I love the um, how each of them construct their weapons. Like, yeah, they've yeah, all yeah. got like covert guns that they've brought in. One of the hitmen has got like a flute that yeah. turns into a gun. Uh, the other one's got like a nightstick. You, you know those um, batons? Yeah. That turns into a gun. You like, twist it and add on another little bit and it turns into a gun. But I couldn't work out what it was that Rebecca Ferguson had that was a gun. It looked just like a gun, but a big silver gun. It was weird. Well, I thought she had a flute. Is it not an instrument of some sort as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I guess I just saw it being constructed too quickly and didn't really notice what it was before. Anyway, it was still pretty cool. Um, And that's the thing I like about the Mission Impossible movies is that they don't make a big deal about the tech the same way they do in Bond films where they introduce it to you and say, this is what it does. It's just there and you see them using it and it's like the tech isn't necessarily a plot point. I mean, it isn't, it isn't. It doesn't labor it. And so you can have that little moment. Oh, God, that's really cool. And you don't quite know what it is, but it's, you just think oh, how cool it is that they they can manipulate their environments or break into something by using something, a special little gizmo, you know, like the key lock. It's a key that you, turns you into the shape of the lock. Yeah. Maybe a second on screen. Maybe yeah. a second. Twice, twice. Yeah. But you know exactly what it is. You knew exactly what it's doing. So, yeah. But don't you think that these guys, yeah. like the actual spies, don't you think that they nerd out about this stuff while they're using it? Like, yes, I got to use the key thing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Simon Pegg's the person who speaks to that, right? Sure. He constantly yeah. wants to wear a mask and never gets to wear a mask. I quite like it. And also, the, the what they're saying in both the, the last film and this one is that we've overdone the mask thing. Yeah, yeah. But So it's a little bit like that. It's You have to rely on your skills and ingenuity in this because you can't just infiltrate and pretend to be anyone so they use these special kryptonite bits uh to like say no they're not perfect they can't do everything like this special gate analysis thing that says you know the way that somebody walks you can't pretend to be them and no no masks in this one i don't think they start building one but we were we realize it's in simon Pegg's flash forward not flash back when he's imagining what the mission's going to be like and he gets captured so there's a mask. Oh, in a, that's right. Yes. In a, yeah, yeah. in a like, you know, in in heist movies, like this is what we're gonna do, and yeah. then they actually show them start doing the heist, sort of just start continuing into the sequence. But this was quite clever. And it's like they're going through the plan. They start showing you the sequence, and then it's like, no, that's not gonna work. He gets captured, and then they snap back to the well, to the villa where they're planning the the heist. It was quite well done. It was quite cool. Uh, but yeah, Simon Pegg's the nerd, right? Who's nerding out about the gadgets. I don't know that Tom Cruise cares so much about the gadgets. You think he's become blasé? It's all a tool. Just use it. I think use it to ends means to an end, man. That's but all I think is. he's internalizing his joy. I think right. when they're planning the opera bit, they're like, you know, there's a there's a there's an apartment across the way. We can get them coming in. Mm. Um, we can stun them, and then we'll treat them on the street. 
And he'll talk them into saying, no, no, it's only going to work if we do it inside the opera. But it, 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 he's internally thinking, that way I get to use a flute gun. Yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of... Right. That's the machination that he's going through. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, I, I think Tom Cruise, the actor, is definitely nerding out about the time. Oh, he loves I think it he all. thinks it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Right. But Ethan Hunt isn't, really. I think he has to play it cool. Well, he's too. agree to disagree. Nope. No. Agree to disagree? Mm, no. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, you're, I, I think you're right when you say it's art, It's really artfully made. It's beautiful, the whole sequence. It had the potential for me going in like the, the, the second time watching it. Like, it's probably going to feel a bit slow. Actually, it's good. It's it's really good. And the pacing's good. But because I knew what was going to happen again, it, it lost its jeopardy. It, I, I wasn't feeling like there was any real tension. I forgot. That the the twist is that it was all a charade anyway, and the car just gets blown up. Yeah, and no one who was no one was going to know that. My favorite moment. So they, she was supposed to miss. Yeah. So that it would run away to the car. That's what she was always yeah, supposed yeah. to. Do. How was Ethan Hunt meant to know that? And I like that moment. He's choosing. So you're Ethan Hunt. Yeah. You've had Ilsa. Faust. Faust. Faustus. Yeah. That's got to be a thing. Of course. Faust is the guy who made the deal with the devil, sold his soul to the devil. Right, there you go. I was going to ask you if you knew what it was, but... Yeah. And that's clearly what she's done by joining the syndicate, whatever. Or is it... Is it... Is it that... Because she's working with the British government. Or is it... Or is it that she's working with Attlee, and he's the devil? So many theories. And so you're Ethan Hunt, and you know that she's helped you out. Ilsa Faust has helped you out. She's broken you out. Mm. Or, left or, you for dead. Sort of left you for dead. Like he definitely should have got shot in that breakout sequence. Yeah. So what happened? You know. And so he's not sure. Should yeah. I trust her? I don't trust her. But he knows something. He knows he likes her. Look, it doesn't matter. She's pointing a weapon at head of state. The big muscly guy definitely got to take him out. Really? Yep. Got to. So Ethan Hunt, you're there. Take out the guy. Take out the hot spy that I kind of fancy, but I don't know if I can trust. Yeah. Or Yeah, this is the difficult decision and this is why he's the best. Yeah. Shoot the head of state in the arm so he goes to hospital and he's he's probably safe. Yeah. He did he did a Rodney on him. It was a through and through, no bone, no artery, it's all good. I mean R- Rodney Rodney from Night and Day. Night and Day. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did. Yeah, he did. More evidence. He'll probably get a medal for it, you know. More evidence for the Crooniverse? The Crooniverse. Crooniverse. The Crooniverse is an episode of... It's the Christmas episode of Ghost Bromance. That's it. <laughs> In the Christmas episode of Ghost Bromance, yeah. you get Frank Sinatra as Ethan Hunt. No, it's the ghost of Bing Crosby and, and the ghost of David Bowie. And they do, uh, they do Little Drummer Boy. Great. That was my Bowie and Little Drummer Boy. It's a ghost bromance starring Pat Oswalt. We're, we're not drunk. We're not drunk. Speak for yourself. <laughs> so the big heist that they have to plan out is Morocco. And it's so complex. Like, it's so ludicrous. Like, they have to get a ledger, which is on a file. And to do that, they have to infiltrate a storage facility that is... <laughs> So well protected, no metal can get in and out, and it's a giant water cooler for this server. And there's robot arms that are taking, like spinning around quickly, taking stuff out of one part and 
take accessing data from this bit and, and it's not you can't there's no wireless connections no you can't hack it not from the outside Simon Pegg can't do his magic right the only way you can access it is through a terminal in a guarded room you have to pass facial recognition you need to put in three um, lock codes yeah, yeah. you need to pass this gate analysis that we were talking about earlier gate as in pattern of walking yeah not, not as in uh, not garden gate. open the doors Benji not as in that. Mm, nice gate. That's yeah. Gate. That's my gate analysis. Is that it? Yeah. If you're one of the guards, you'd be like, yep, seven out of ten. It's a good gate he's got there. The other guards are looking at you saying, what's that fool doing? Do the that's, moonwalk. It's my gate analysis. That's what we're here to do. So the heist, like Benji's actually retrieving the data, but the big heist part of it is actually to trick the computer into thinking that Simon Pegg is authorised to be there. That's what Tom Cruise actually has to do. It's the only way, is what they say. Yeah. It's not impossible. There is a way. Impossible. You just have to hold your breath for three minutes. Three minutes. Has anyone have you, anyone tried to do that? I struggle at three seconds, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I don't think I could get to a minute. No way. I, I, I mean, I think I may have in my youth. It was something I tried. I was swimming a lot. Yeah, I used to go swimming a lot, but I I always used to panic if I was at the bottom of the pool. I'd just head straight for the surface. I would start to panic. Really? Yeah, yeah. Right. I'd be rubbish in these situations. Scared of heights. No way I'm running down the Burj Khalifa. Can't hold my breath. No way I'm infiltrating this thing. That's the thing that in the movie had a line in it that kind of took me out of the movie right at the beginning. It was the it was one of the I don't know the senators on the committee or one of the yeah, yeah. people on the committee, yeah. and he said. It seems as though your victories are indistinguishable from luck. Yeah. The line that Baldwin has is about Ethan Hunt saying, I think he's both arsonist and fireman. I love that. That's a good one as well. Yeah, Yeah, it's some really good writing in those sequences, but it's really where you hear the writer's voice coming through. It's like, that's really eloquent. I'm not so sure that that's what would be said exactly, but good, you know, but... I, I don't mind, you know, it's like, I think there's some license to do that. But no, you're right. I think the film does, at several points, it says the the feats that Ethan Hunt pulls off are impossible. But let's not forget, this is called Mission Impossible. That's the whole point. Right, yeah. But what I'm saying is that the film undid itself with those lines. I, so I those, agree. It draws those attention two lines itself. are yeah. the two main things about what makes Mission Impossible great. Really lucky amazing like chance is the reason why they seem to succeed ultimately and plus their great skills and tom cruise's great skills let's not forget tom cruise's great skills but also then alec baldwin saying the line of ambiguous allegiances and those are the two elements that you need in a mission impossible movie like here's an impossible thing and this is how the team are going to do it and kind of fuck it up a little bit to create that tension and then they do do it and and then also, in the midst of doing it, you're not really sure who you can and can't trust, even people within the team as well. And that's what they tried to introduce in this. And I think the film failed, and you're not going to believe I'm going to say this, where Fast and the Furious 8 <laughs> succeeded. Are you wow. talking about when Dom switches sides? Right. Oh, for come a moment. On. Well, for you a don't moment. For a second, think he'd turn his back on family. You believe that something's going on. He's been drugged. He's been something. You do believe it. And the trailer sets it up for that, right? <laughs> but in this, you, you never once. It. But you, it does a better job of getting you to think, yeah, maybe he is. A, and, and you actually, he is going along with it. Like, and because he's got a reason to. You really think he's motivated to turn his back on his team. 
right? Family. Sorry, family. But Tom Cruise's family are you never in doubt where his allegiances are. Not once. You just know that Alec Baldwin doubts him. I'm never doubting Tom Cruise once in this movie. Right, absolutely. And and that's a flaw is what I'm trying to say. I, I agree. I think shining a light on it in this film, I think it work, It does work against itself. I think it is Chris McQuarrie saying, I'm used to writing a Jack Reacher style film. Right. And I'm having to write these crazy, crazy sequences, very convoluted. I've got to excuse this somehow. Yeah. And he tries to excuse it by saying, this I think is so. impossible. No, it's not. Yeah, okay. it's now, the writer's voice. Yeah, it's the writer's now, voice. If that's, I, I, I agree with that 100%. But this is why I think it's so important, and it's not just Tom Cruise's ego, that he does as much of this stuff for real as possible. Because you, as a fan, as an audience member, as a, as a viewer, whatever you want, in this very media-savvy age, while you're tempted to say, this is bullshit, no one could do this, when you're watching Tom Cruise, there is always an element of, but he did. And that is a fantastic way of excusing the fantastic. The impossible. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I'll take that. And yet, that's the reason why it's not comparable to Fast and the Furious, right? In no way. Yeah. When Vin Diesel is, yeah. you know, jet skiing on a, I don't know, a <laughs> Lamborghini lorry or something. Yeah, it's space. CG. Yeah, it's CG. Yeah, it's in space. It's not. The, uh, the sort of the big stunt set piece of this is Tom Cruise holding his breath, which we've alluded to several times. Uh, you've alluded to. <laughs> okay. You. But you've got to admit, it has come up a fair bit. It, it has come up a fair bit, but not as much as our other stables. I don't. I wouldn't say it's No, 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 no. But, but I it, think it's Tom it's, Cruise saying, hey, guys, I can hold my breath for a really long time. Right, he can. Do you know how long? No, I don't. Six minutes. Fuck. Isn't that insane? How well trained does your body have to be to be able to do that? Yeah, man, I'd like lots of anaerobic exercise, I guess, and really efficient use of oxygen. And, and you can, I'm pretty certain that you can switch to train your body to put oxygen, more oxygen to your brain and to stay in that state longer than, you know, than all your reflexes would try and make you like try to breathe. And you can actually see Tom Cruise at one point, like holding back his reflex to go <gasps> yeah. and breathe in, yeah, yeah. you know, at one point I was pretty it looked pretty real to me, actually. Yeah. I was, it was really well acted if, you know, if he wasn't actually holding his breath to the maximum that he could. And I guess it's like stopping any kind of reflex. You train long enough, you'll, you can suppress that reflex and your body will cr- try and use other means for getting oxygen to the right places so you don't, you don't die. That's what it has to do. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, it has to do that in order to go for that long. Yeah, that's impressive. And so what it does, what it certainly is, is, is one of our staples, is Tom Cruise's skills. We've never really said it, I don't think, explicitly, but showing off skills. Oh, absolutely. You know? Mastery. Like, yeah, yeah. Mastery of skills is definitely yeah. a staple. And that's what holding breath comes under, definitely. So in Mission Impossible 2, he's free climbing. Yeah, In there Mission you go. Impossible 4, he's running down the side of a building. And in this one, he's free diving. Free diving, yeah. What I admire so much, again, about Chris McQuarrie... It's a a step up from pool trick shots, right? (laughs) It's a half a step up. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm I'm always in awe of, uh, you know, people like John Virgo, so... (laughs) John Virgo's a legend. I met him. He is a legend. What I admire so much about Chris McQuarrie, um, his integrity as a director, is a decision that he made in this diving sequence. And there's, there are clearly remnants of a different version of this sequence because 
a lot of that once he's in that chamber uh, with the arm and yeah. he's he's swimming in a in a in a torus is it a lot of it's a continuous shot and he had originally conceived and filmed of that entire sequence as one continuous shot yeah and he basically decided that actually it worked against the tension of the film and it just exacerbated this sense that the audience is drowning but not in a build the tension way in a this is just oppressive way mm. and so he cuts things into that continuous shot so that we have the perspective of Simon Pegg we have yeah. the perspective of Rebecca Ferguson I admire that because there has been an increasing tendency in films to say look at this amazing technical thing I can do as yeah. one shot like the revenant does yeah, it and a lot of the time it it doesn't great, work for me it pulls me out of it yeah, yeah. you're right and the only films I think that can get away with it are films that are just a pure action and not trying to do anything else. Like Jackie Chan movies, they do it all the time. They're not only saying, look at this impressive thing. They replay it again and again yeah, yeah, just to it. show, to prove it to you. No, that's really Jackie Chan jumping off that yeah. high cliff. Or and these like. are the kind of films that could get away with doing that, I think. It could. But yeah. that would change it into a different kind of film. That exactly. would play up. Exactly. The, the Tom Cruise show. Yeah. Um, well spotted, man. And um, I, I think I agree with you. And I think that requires some knowledge to spot as well, that it was shot as a single sequence. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, if we're talking about fortitude of character, um, not quite the same as Tom Cruise turning down or Ethan Hunt turning down Ilsa Faust's offer <laughs> of running away, but still quite a lot of fortitude of writing and directing character to say, I know we intended to do this. I know it would really show off Tom Cruise's holding breath ability, but that's not what this is about. It's about good storytelling. Yep. And I think the story is for the better by making those decisions. There's no doubt in my mind, although we are picking a little bit at this at this film, that there's a massive amount of talent and craft gone into it. Oh, I'm nitpicking at best. I think right. this is a fantastic yeah, yeah. film. Agreed, agreed. Um, I, I have to say, though, as stunt sequences from this series go... Ghost Protocol has the edge over this. Uh, yeah, I think so as well. And for me, it's that tension thing. Yeah. You know, I've talked in the past about how films can kind of cheat interest and cheat intrigue, and that there are things that like a film has going for it on the first viewing because you don't know about it, and but that sometimes they don't stand the test of time because once you know what it is, it doesn't. You can't watch it the same way that you you used to, and. I'm not saying that rewatchability is a requirement to decide whether or not a film's a good film. You see something once and that should be, you enjoy it for what you enjoy it for and it's enough. But there are some films that rely on gimmicks and rely on plot twists in order to get you sucked in. For me, it makes a good film, a great film when you can watch it a second time and it's like, yeah, I know what's going to happen, but it's still fantastic. It's still really good. Yeah. I almost don't, care about i don't care about the effects or the plots or that i know what's going to happen and also the the acting the caliber of the acting as well again puts that up so your be believable for performances and good story are going to always trump for me plot twists and gimmicks to kind of quite quite loud that you've talked about before in um yeah horror films that are yeah. like oh i'm scared and it's like was that actually scary though or no it's a cheat it, right it is right. it's a cheap thrill yeah and i think Cheap thrills are good for disposable films, once and done. Okay, I enjoyed it. I never need to see it again. I agree that it's performance, more so it's character, that brings me back time and time again. And again, Ilsa, Ilsa's intervention into this stunt sequence is, is ah, so brilliant. Beautiful. Because she saves him. Yeah. Is there, is, do you think we love that sequence because you and I just want to be saved? 
by by a beautiful woman. Is Doesn't that... hurt. Yeah. Yeah, Mind that's you, probably she, why. As I have already said, she would have had to have dived in approximately three seconds after I did. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the only way you would have been saved. Save me, Elsa! <laughs> as, you were, as you were jumping. <laughs> as you were jumping. Just, just say, save me, please. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. She would have pushed you, man. She would never be saying to me, come away with me. No. I would be saying, Sorry. take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> come back. But yeah, like, she saves him, right? So your immediate reaction is, ah, she's a goodie. Yeah. But, no. She saved him because she needs the mission to succeed. Because she needs what they're after. Yeah. And once they get it, she gets it, and she's on the run. So, yeah. again, the action sequence that follows, like, Tom Cruise has just come back from the dead. Again. Yeah. Awesome. Twice now. So, of course, Benji lets him drive. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. I'm a field agent. Well, I'm not a good driver, though. I'm Ethan motherfucking Hunt. Yeah. Fair play to Peg again here, because Cruz wanted to do all his own driving, so Peg had to be in the car with him. I know, I know. Yeah. So, that when that car crashes and it <laughs> yeah. flips yeah. 20 times... Yeah, it's clearly like, a CG shot, that. No, yeah, fine. I'm not... That's oh, right. not what I'm questioning about it's it's a good cd shot i didn't didn't take me out of it i wasn't like oh no that's cg I, I don't care they're inside it it cuts back to shots of Cruz and peg being chucked oh, I think, around I inside think, yeah the i car. think they're on a gimbal or something yeah yeah i'm like that didn't look pleasant it wouldn't be no Cruz, i'm like yeah whatever that's that's nothing for you that's just a day at the office for peg it's a it's a pretty fun day at the office yeah right yeah maybe it's fun but there's glass flying around. Maybe the glass is CG, I'm sure, you know, or, or yeah, sugar I glass so, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. I can imagine Tom Cruise in a nice way, in a charming way, strong arming Simon Pegg into it. I'm not saying Simon Pegg was unwilling necessarily, but I can't imagine he was like, Yep, let's do this, come on. But I imagine Cruise was like that, and I imagine that that's infectious. And that there's no way you'd get me into something like that. Into, into a gimbal that's going to chuck me around like 20, 20 30 times. Getting the gimbal more than I'd get in the actual car burning through the streets of Morocco. Really? Yeah. But the gimbal's controlled. Yeah, it's controlled. It's safe. You're right. But, but anyway, what I'm saying is that if there's somebody that could get me in and inspire me to get in, it would be Cruz, probably. Yeah. He'd be like so motivating and like, man, we can do this. It's I also think he's the kind of guy who would have said to Chris McQuarrie, so how are we going to flip this thing 10 times? Yeah, right. <laughs> At which point, Peg, you know, has got a little poo coming out. <laughs> yeah. A little. So I don't, I don't think this this action sequence again can compete with the sandstorm of Ghost Protocol. However, yeah. what I will say again, this is why you get Cruise. This is why you pay Cruise the money that you do. He's really on that motorbike, and yeah. that really is his knee clipping the road I know. I at saw like that 100 bit. miles an hour. I saw that and bit. that's the Jackie Chan. That's the yeah, stuff yeah, that you yeah. can't fake, the happy accident. And it does such a brilliant job of selling yeah. you on, Jesus Christ, there's real jeopardy here. Yeah, and everyone else has got like knee pads. Yeah. And it doesn't look like he does. If he does, it's under his yeah. trousers or whatever. It doesn't look like he's wearing anything special. And yeah, that it's really noticeable that moment when he clips his knee and he looks down and goes, oh, he like does like a little like oh shit. Oh. It's a tiny moment, but it's my my favourite moment in that bike sequence of the whole movie. He's burning rubber, burning rubber, right? 
Yeah, going around corners, doing that bike racer kneeling thing where your knees are actually touching, touching the ground. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know these terms. No, road rash is just that game from the Mega Drive. Oh right, no idea. But he's—it's just a tiny moment in that sequence. It's not the most impressive bit of that sequence, but I loved it so much. I think it's just after he grazes his knees, so I'm already like, Jesus, it really, really is him. I knew it was him, but just really seeing those shots, it's like he's there, he's doing that, he's focused. That's Tom Cruise. That's not Ethan Hunt. He goes around the corner, and you see one of the bikes like clip something, flip, and then just hit the barrier and then explode. Yeah. And he looks around to see it. I don't know whether Tom Cruise just turned over his shoulder and looked at something at that moment. If it was scripted, uh, yeah. What you, you, you and, and then like, the bike is CG. Yeah, like, did they over. do a physical effect behind him if or not? That yeah. sequence was all physical effects. If like what you're seeing on screen is what was shot, that is very impressive because the timing, oh, the yeah. speed that they're moving around, I was amazing. I couldn't say it. I'd My love to know says, that little bit. Probably not, but it's CG. Either way, it, the fact that we're debating it means the effect works. It, it, that's all that matters, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a hundred percent down to things like Cruz's knee clipping the road. Right. Is yeah. that you're going? Well, how much of this is real then? Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. a real thrill, actually, these days to say, yeah, it is. God, do are people really doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. The other thing that I think is so smart in this sequence is it ends. Again, Ilsa knows that Ethan's not going to stop. Mission Impossible doesn't give up. It certainly doesn't. So she uses his innate goodness to derail him. And she stands in the path of his motorbike. Mm. So that he has to swerve and crash. And then she's got time to get away. What a move. What a move. It's really clever. It's a really clever character moment. It's moments like that that just elevate this kind of film and make it so much more satisfying for me. Mm. And it's actually a move that Sean Harris uses against him later on, which is to say, I know you're going to do the right thing, so I've beat you. Yeah. It's a classic superhero, supervillain dynamic, but it's done nicely. Nothing wrong with that. It's why it's a classic. And then we're off to London, and it's, you know, more triple crosses and yeah we don't know who to trust we still don't know who to trust and she's going to meet atley chief atley of yes. mi6 simon mcburney uh yeah so she's gone to meet atley and supposedly to hand over this ledger that has all of the uh, finances of the syndicate on it apparently yeah <clears throat> so it'll expose who's funding this terrorist cell basically yeah who's pulling the strings Who's calling the shots? The, the actual machinations of what happens in the in the sequence with Tom Holland as Prime Minister, where he's clearly channeling Tony Blair, by the way. Trying. That's how he was cast, anyway. Yeah. Uh, are, are unimportant, really. Uh, but I think uh, it's nice that the film takes a much more low-key, more classically spy film approach yeah. in the third act. There's still yeah. a, a foot chase, and a very impressive one, yeah. and a couple of fight sequences. Yeah. But actually, it becomes just about these parties trying to outsmart each other. I love that sequence with um, uh, Tom Hollander. It's great. Ah, there's a mask. There's a mask. Right, there is a mask. And that's the thing that was so good about this. It, again, it's what I'm, I keep repeating myself, but it's, it seems as though that this film relies on I don't know who's allied with who to create tension more than just the sequences themselves. But I'm not saying the sequences aren't tense. I'm just saying that allegiance thing didn't work for me this it's not something that works very well on the second viewing 
and having said that, I kept forgetting, like, who's what, what's going to happen yeah, yeah. here? And so it's only through forgetting that I thought I was actually, I don't know who it is. And when they're in that room, I knew, I knew one of them was Tom Cruise. Yeah. Right. But I couldn't remember which one. I was like, is it Jeremy Renner? It's Eric Baldwin. I couldn't remember which one it was, you know? I, I, for, for a second, I was like, he's, is Tom Cruise actually the prime minister? Like, I was like, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, yeah, it was Atlee. I think that's a credit to how well done it is. It's like, well, it's not hard to get Tom Cruise pretending to be Atley because you just put the character in the place of Tom Cruise, right? It's the act. The masks thing is a is a really cheap trick, right? It's it, it is, yeah. yeah. And I think that's why they they have to not overplay it because you yeah. can just go, oh god, everyone's wearing a mask. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, and they didn't, and it worked well. So. That's why I like the sequence. I know you're saying the machinations aren't that important. I agree. No, it's fun, though. Um, it's, it's a fun yeah, it's sequence. It's a fun sequence, yeah. yeah. So we, we feel like we've taken the piss out of Sean Harris a little bit. What do you think of his performance and his placement as the big bad in this se- this yeah. franchise that has had some pretty good bad guys? <laughs> he's no Philip Seymour Hoffman, is he? No, he's not. He's not the best. You see, the thing I liked about Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know he's a match. Not Maybe not in terms of physical prowess even smarts but just that the machine that he's in charge of is layered and complex enough that it will be it would take the best agent in the world to to dismantle it he's a formidable enemy i didn't really get a sense of how sean harris is a formidable enemy he just seems a bit oily and sneaky and he's he's so he's clearly ruthless yeah, yeah, that's what you get, the ruthlessness. He's so close to hamming it up. Like, it's almost yeah. an Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending performance. Right, yeah. However, right. there right. is a moment, because one of the things that stretches credibility, I think, is how many times Ilsa fails him, and he still keeps giving her another chance. So at the point that she says to Atlee, I can't go back to him now. Like, he'll kill me. Mm. That's a real test for her. And I love that he flips it on her. And there's this incredible, it's a very actorly thing to do, but I think it's Sean Harris's best moment in the film, is he just puts his hand on her face. And it, it could be a tender gesture, but it's so clumsy and it's so mm. awkward that it's genuinely really unnerving. And it's a real mm. power play because it's like, I can smother you, I can break yeah. your neck, I can strangle and you. And she whatever. does give this look of like, she doesn't break character. She's, she's squirming hard. She doesn't, yeah, she is squirming like, what the hell is this? And it's like, it would be quite interesting if it if it was an actor decision, if it was Sean House's decision to do that in that moment, because it worked. It worked to create that sense of like... It's a really horrible power gesture. Yeah, And she's trying to make all these power plays as well when she's with him, like, you have to trust me and these are the reasons why. She's confidently putting that card forward. It's one moment after the opera when she comes back to his office and she, you think she's making a really good move. She's like, I've told you many times, trust me or kill me because I can't, I'm not playing these games or something like that. And she puts the gun down on, in front of him. That's one of the things that shows you his ruthlessness. He just picks up the gun, points it at, we think her, but just slightly to her side and shoots the guy that she took the gun off. That then unnerves her. So she's stone cold, like, I'm not scared of you. And then somebody right next to her dies. And she can't show, she can't hold back her nerves. And again, but but it's very subtle. Also, one of my favourite lines where he sort of flips it on her and he's putting the, the game back in her hands. He's got his hand yeah. on her face and he says, 
I'm interested to see who you blame for what happens next. Yeah. That's really nice. It's like the it is. The, the pieces are in motion. People are going to die. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to come back to me or are you going to run off with Hunt? Yeah. And so the thing about that is they keep saying, or Tom Cruise keeps saying, he has to, like, everything's going to go the way it's going to go with this guy, with um, Lane. It's the It's the worst. He's the worst character in the movie. Because he's just that side of almost hamming it up, but not quite. He he does a good performance because he's a good actor. There's nothing to the character. He's just bad. He's evil Ethan. Yeah. We don't know anything about him. We don't know that he's evil Ethan, though. They're trying to say he is. They say explicitly he's the anti-IMF, but it's that thing. Don't tell me, show me. There's nothing in the movie that gives us any real sense that he's a threat or... How does he have the capacity to know that these are th- how things have to go? The character says it in, towards the end when he says, my weapon is human nature. Yeah. And it's because, like, I'm going to play, you know, play well, you against each other. Okay. I think maybe the bit that they gloss over is that he has orchestrated terrorist acts in all of these countries. That's what uh, Hunt's pinboard of clues is about when he's hunting him. Yeah. But to what end? Money. For him. But he's he's being given orders by Attlee, apparently. Yes. So it's it's to benefit the British government, because the syndicate was set up. This is the red box, right? Isn't it? The right. red box is, and the syndicate was a trial program that should have been eighty sixth killed off, uh, and it went rogue. And the idea of the syndicate was zero oversight. But did it executive power? Question. Did what? it go rogue? That's my question. Well, that's what he's. That's why it still exists. Oh, right. Well, Atlee seems to say maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're still working for us. Do you think Atlee just didn't want to get caught? What I'm saying is that let's say the syndicate exists and Atlee has some link to it and he's responsible for setting it up. Why wouldn't he pay it to do its nation's bidding? And that's the idea is that actually perhaps maybe he is. Maybe these yeah. terrorists are doing terrorism yeah, in Britain. the name of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, the terrifying thing about that is that there's a moment where the Prime Minister, Tom Holland, is horrified that this syndicate program still exists. Yeah. You brought it to me. I decided that this you know, single executive power to, to send assassins in anywhere in the world... Yeah, he rejected people, it unequivocally, he said. Yeah, that's too much for one person to have. Yeah. That's, a, I think, a political statement that the film is making because Agreed. the scenario Agreed. that is put in front of him, the, the red box is exactly a power that the President of the United States has. He yeah. has at his disposal a team that he can send in that has zero oversight, they can mm. never be prosecuted, and the order comes direct from the Commander-in-Chief. Right. So it's saying, look how horrible this idea is. Isn't this fucking horrible, people? Y- yeah, that, that people can do this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That there is this much power in, in the world. And, and that can topple nations. It can overthrow governments. Yeah, yeah. It can swing the pendulum of power to a certain yeah. country's direction. Is there anything else we need to say? The finale, the, the final bit? The peg bomb. Peg bomb. You get the peg bomb, then there's a foot chase, and then the showdown, which is a, a very elaborate trap. And it's Ethan playing Lane at his own game, saying, I know the way this is going to go. I'm going to lead you on a merry chase, because you can't kill me, because I've got what you want. I've got it memorized. It's in this brilliant brain of mine. And the ultimate trap is quite literally to trap him in a small chamber and 
gas him and hand him over to the authorities. But that moment where they've got him and it fills and he's yeah. firing bullets quite... I mean, I'd be worried about them bouncing back and hitting me, to be honest, but firing yeah. them at this plexiglass. And Luther, Benji, Brant, and Ethan, albeit with Ilsa behind him, on each side of the box, and he just yeah. says, meet the IMF or whatever. It, it's a really nice sequence. It's really cool. And it feels a little bit like a reboot. It, yes, it Ooh. does feel that way. I don't think it is, because this is the team. And maybe Ilsa if anything, goes the Protocol new the Ethan reboot. Hunt. No. Ooh. But I'm going to go out on a limb, because we've been comparing... We've been comparing sequences to the previous film. That whole stretch from the peg bomb through to the end, mm. for me, is the most satisfying last act of any of these films. Mm. I think there's been a tendency to maybe underwhelm, particularly in the case of number three, or go too big in the case of number two. And this is just right for me. I, I like that it doesn't try and out-action its previous action sequences. It is all about character. It is all about smarts. And ultimately, it's just those two men facing one another. It's a again. proper denouement. Let's let's round off this tale in a satisfying way and also smart way. You yeah. know, it's it's you really feel like yeah, the the team did it and they did it in such a way that made them from a you know disavowed group to a fully sanctioned group where you've got our Baldwin going to bat yeah. for them back Why? at the company. Why? Why? Welcome to the IMF director. Secretary. Woo! If you wish to make a movie star from scratch, you must first invent the Cruciverse. If you wish to make a robot pie from scratch. <laughs> Tell me more. I do. You must first invent time travel. Is that a pie... With a robot filling, or just pie for it, robots? It's a or it's pie a, made by it's, robots. It's it's a bit yeah, it's a bit more. It's not as in, as satisfying as the other two. It is a pie made by robots. It's not not so. Shame. I was imagining an enormous pie, and you open it, and lots there's of loads robots of robots come out. Yeah, yeah. The Cruiserverse. I don't know why I'm looking at my notes because I don't actually have anything for the Cruiserverse. So previously in this episode, I alluded to the idea that other characters in the Cruiserverse are starting to piece together that Tom Cruise, the legend isn't just, so Ethan Hunt, the legend isn't just Ethan Hunt, the legend, but that he's also Jack Reacher. Okay. He's also Samurai Green. What's his name? Harden Green. No. Nathan Olgren. Nathan Olgren. That's it. Harden Green. I, yep. Yeah, I'm good with my names. <laughs> that would be like a really shit pseudonym for the Hulk. He's Harden yeah. Green. Harden Green. <laughs> Holden. I thought his name was Holden. Ol Alden. Olgren. Oh, Olgren. So, so the characters that we're seeing in the movies are starting to realise that we see that guy around a lot. It's pretty simple Cruiserverse this week, actually. Thank God. Other, you know, because you know, the um, all sense? I'm saying, well, it probably does. Sure. You know, as it, as it usually does. The the one thing to note is that bleed through thing. Sorry, guys. Because I know, I know the bit that everyone loves about about the podcast is the Cruiserverse. That's the thing people are waiting for. But sadly, it is literally just another instalment of Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. Yeah, just I, doing the Ethan Hunt thing. I'd say P on the... putting the world to rights. We previously saw him uh, in Edge of Tomorrow. 
Which is why it's not a surprise that he dies and comes back to life in this one. I think he's become exactly. a little bit complacent about that because exactly. he's died hundreds of times now. That's it. Um, but Jules seems to have been written out of his life. She is, she's long gone. There's no reconciliation there. Uh, I think she's. I think she's getting updates from Benji. You reckon? Yeah, I think Benji's still in touch with her. I wonder if she'll be back. It'll be interesting. I'd like to it? see her come back. I think it'll be great. I'd love to I think see. Better for the Ethan Hunt her character. Her and Rebecca Ferguson have a fight. Over Tom Cruise? Yeah. There's a bit of wish, wish fulfillment going on there, man, I yeah, think. Yeah, quite a bit. Quite yeah. a bit. Um, I'm certainly not jumping on that, that bandwagon. Did you write down any other lines? Did I have any lines? I didn't. I didn't write down a single line. That doesn't mean that there aren't any. The line, the, the total standout for me, and it's what's great about this, because it's... It's ridiculous. It's a stupid line. It doesn't mean anything. And yet, it fits perfectly. And it's Alec Baldwin saying of Hunt, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah, but t- so is Cruz, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> if you will it, it will be. It is a good line. And I, and I, were I so inclined, I would have written it down, I think. That was it, really. Classics-wise, we've got running, we've got shirtlessness, we sure have got some stunts. Driving and holding the breath. Jumping off of things. Yeah, being rich. Voice of reason. Being rich is a mega tick, because he has memorized... Oh, that's true. ...the accounts to £2.4 billion. He's going to be bankrolling some serious cruciversity. That is... That's all he needs to be set up for decades. Fair point, I hadn't picked up on that. Still no woos, though. Nope. The oh, we, woo has been retired officially, retire I think. Yeah. We have. It's no longer a staple of Tom Cruise. I'm still hopeful it's going to come back. Makes me sad. And it does. when I'm sad, I like to do one of two things. Sometimes I like to put on an episode of my favourite sitcom, Ghost Bromance. Right. But uh, if it's not, if I've watched them all or I'm not in the mood, yeah. I like to check out some numbers. Oh, okay. It's your numbers. Budget, $150 million. That is the highest now, because Edge of Tomorrow is pretty high. It's the same as number three, I think. No, it's not as high as Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow was 178 Oh, that was certainly the highest then. Yeah. Um, salary, up there, $25 million. Still amazing. Very high. Amazingly high. Yeah. But the worldwide gross, $700 million. That is the highest grossing Tom Cruise movie. For a first-run box office, that is the highest. Now, I checked to see, is this the highest grossing Tom Cruise movie? And actually, (laughs) adjusted for inflation... uh, No, it's nowhere near. Adjusted for inflation, Top Top Gun Gun is still the highest grossing Tom Cruise movie. But still, 700 million, monster smash. Yeah. This is... He's going to make these until he dies. Probably. It's your numbers. The the question then for me is, is it as good as Ghost Protocol? Oh, there's no question if it if it's as good. They're they're comparable. Is it better? We, we need to work out which is better. We do. And the difficult thing is, although they share a formula to a large extent, they're very very different films. And this is the great thing that this franchise has done by changing the director every film so far. Brad Bird's film is a, is an incredibly tight and suspenseful action film, I think. Yeah. And I think, although this has action set pieces in it, 
It's not really an action film. This is much more of a classic spy film. Yep. The difference for me is there's a there's an element of class to Rogue Nation that comes from Chris McQuarrie's approach. It's a, it's a really handsome, stylish film. I am tempted to still give this the edge. I agree with everything you said, and yet it doesn't give it the edge for me. Okay. I've already ranked it, and I don't know that I could be as eloquent about explaining why. I'm just going with my gut feeling because the ranking's all over the place. Really happy with Mission Possible 4. I think the episode speaks for itself. Uh, our episode on it speaks for itself in terms of how excited I was about it. Yeah. But I have to say, looking at my list, I was really happy to put Mission Possible 4 right up there. I think it's number five in, in, in my list. But I'm going to put Mission Possible 5 quite far down. So Rogue Nation is going under Valkyrie, but above A Few Good Men. So that means that I consider Last Samurai, Minority Report, As Well Shirt, Joe McGuire, Magnolia, and Edge of Tomorrow all better than this movie. And then I've got Ghost Protocol. Okay. So there's quite a lot of a gap there for me in terms of how much I like these movies. But I would say that if we're just comparing the Mission Possible movies, yet yeah, four's the better one for me. Nothing you said is nothing you said no, is no, disagreeable, though. It, it really, yeah. so much of it comes down to the Ilsa Faust character. I just think she's the, yeah, yeah. the best character in this whole series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited that Rebecca Ferguson's hopefully coming back in number six. It'd be amazing if she does. That would be great. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to just give this the edge over Ghost Protocol and just put it above that. So that puts it below Jack Reacher. That was that mission. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join us next time and come back. But never go back with Jack Reacher. Never go back. And until then, a retired woo. Woo! <laughs> That's how I would woo when I'm like 80. When you're retired. Well, we probably won't retire until we're 80 or 90, will we? I'll be dead. I'll have a ghost moment. Don't forget, you can Jack Reacher's at The Arnithology on Twitter, The Arnithology on Facebook. And the Arnithology at gmail.com. <laughs>